The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists. Where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. And folks, I think you know how we roll by now. We're not going to coast to neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 170 episodes and three years on the air. We're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer-first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about creating products, service lines, and experiences that are consumer-first. What can we learn from Athleta's latest announcement about their women's wellness platform? I'll talk about that. Then Christophe Joquet is in the house to share some provocative thinking about how the health, wellness, and consumer sectors are increasingly overlapping. He'll share a health design thinking framework that helps us understand why meeting a need isn't enough to design products and service lines that are successful. We also need to consider expectations and life aspirations as well. This episode is jam-packed. We have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. I don't think consumerization has to be difficult and complex. I think we make it that way because we're uncomfortable with the thought of changing so much about the systems that we're used to. I think it is possible to create products, service lines, and experiences that actually do put consumers first and nudge us collectively towards better health and wellness. As I've reflected on my why, the reason why I keep podcasting and keep consulting and keep stirring up conversations in the industry, it's recently come into focus so clearly that I'm finally able to describe it succinctly. My why is that I see the opportunity to improve lives by operating Operationalizing and scaling consumer first healthcare. So that's what I'm here to do. It's going to take a new tool set rooted in human centered design and a deeper understanding of both human behavior and digital consumer tech. But it's very possible. I'm rooting for hospitals and providers to lead the way. But if they don't, someone will. In fact, here's the latest example. Hot on the heels of last week's episode where Zane and I discussed connected fitness, we have a headline from CNBC about a new women's wellness platform. The headline reads, Athleta's latest salvo against Lululemon and Nike. And it goes on to say that Gap's Athleta announced the debut of Athleta Well, a digital platform offering workout content and safe spaces to discuss topics from mental health to body positivity. The service will be a benefit of the Retailers Rewards Program and tap Athleta's relationships with athletes like Simone Biles and Allison Felix. Athleta Well's debut comes as the athleisure market is seeing explosive growth with consumers embracing comfort, but it's also more competitive than ever. Where does trusted health and wellness content come from? In this case, potentially the athleisure market. 
Another example is Cerebral, which describes itself as expert help for your emotional health. The service is billed as offering help for anxiety, depression, and ADHD with online provider visits, care counseling, and prescriptions delivered to your door for as little as $7 a week. Whether or not they're poised to be a market leader, I can't say. What I can say is that they're yet another example of a new competitor who's appealing to consumers in a different way for a specific need. And collectively, these thousands of new entrants are changing what consumers expect from their healthcare experience. So our new challenge is to keep it simple as we work to create products, service lines, and experiences that are consumer first. That's one way that will build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. Hey, listeners, we're going to have a really, really fun conversation. We're going to talk a lot about health experiences and what that even means, because quite frankly, we use a lot of words on this podcast. And and sometimes I wonder if if we always even have the same understanding of them. And so I couldn't be more thrilled to welcome our guest this week. It's Christophe Joquet. Christophe is the author of the book Health Enthusiasm. Uh, It's all about making making customers healthy and happy. We're going to dig in and talk about what that means. But first and foremost, welcome, Christophe. Well, thank you, Jake. I'm happy to be here. It's not just fun because uh, you're, you're speaking with us from uh, almost the other side of the world, but uh, but but you're calling in from Belgium. Is that a recent move? Is that where you're based? Tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and what you're doing now. I'm born and raised in Belgium. I, I traveled a lot, but I, I still live in Belgium right now. I've spent about 20 years working in and for pharmaceutical companies, but also for healthcare companies and consumer companies in recent years. And so what I mainly do is I work as a keynote speaker, so I inspire companies, or I work as an advisor where I try to consult and give them advice on on where they should be going next. That's pretty, and in a nutshell, what I try to do. Well, that's great because this is the intersection. You just brought up a a whole bunch of different types of organizations, and they are increasingly coming at the same intersection when we talk about what they're even offering and where that fits into an individual consumer's health experience. Tell us about the premise of the book, about health enthusiasm itself, because it feels like you're talking a lot about this intersection of not just a hospital or a healthcare organization helping a patient make healthcare choices. There's the consumerization of all of that and where it's leading us today. Just tell us a little bit about the premise of the book. And in essence, the book talks about The fact that each and every one of us just simply wants to be healthy and happy. I think it's one of our most important needs or things that we, you know, aspire to in life. That has become increasingly important simply because we as human beings today have more than ever an impact on our own health and happiness. And so that's why actually, because it has become that important and because we have such an influence ourselves, is that we we look at other companies to help us in, in achieving that health and happiness. And that is basically the premise of this book. It says that because every each and every one of us wants to be healthy and happy, it makes every business and every company actually a health business because we want retailers, supermarkets to help us with our health. We want our car to be helping us with our health or smart, smartphone. Even when we travel, we want to be helped at that point simply because we just want it to be. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, we're agreeing on that on every aspect of it. And I think the the whole thought is when, when we talk about uh, the fact that you've come from healthcare organizations and pharma, as well as consumer facing organizations, mm-hmm. 
the fact of the things that they have in common. I think that's that's something that that intrigues me to say the least, is that you can see what these organizations have in common. And I would guess, you know, a number of years ago, we would never even be having this conversation because they seemed to come from different sides of the planet. And now there is this natural coming together. And when I'm talking about how that has to do with some of the recent topics we've had on the on the podcast here lately about how we are trying to come up with this new tool set, like how do we even design for a consumer's experience? Like, you know, where do we fit into that part you were just talking about? You know, keeping somebody healthy and happy. I think the answer to that is changing a lot right now. And I think if anything else, the pandemic has, has helped us accelerate that. And we don't want to be left without the right tools to make some progress here. And so I'm curious, one of the things you mentioned to me previously was that that there are the type of design sprints that you do that you help companies with to help them recognize what experiences they even need to be creating and how to do that. And do you want to talk to us about that process? Like what, what kinds of things when we're talking about the tools that you are using to even do that? Yeah, I can certainly do. And let me just rewind it back to one of the first things that you said is that consumer brands and, and healthcare brands, they kind of like intersect and they're, they're talking about the same thing. I think there's one element that's very important right now is that if we used to think about health, we used to think about a medical setting. We, we used to think about the healthcare environment, which is something that I, I kind of, I try to avoid to use as much as possible, the word, the word healthcare, because it makes me too much think of a situation where you are in the system or out the system. So when you're sick, you go into the healthcare system and then you take care of your health. And when you when you no longer sick, you're out of the system. And I don't really like that kind of thinking. So when I talk about consumer brands and when I talk about you know wellness brands, it's not always about healthcare, right? And that is one of the things that has changed in recent years is that health has no longer just to do with not being sick. It's really about how you live. And for that, we take several decisions. We might take medical decisions at some point if we're sick, but we might you know, take preventative decisions, which I call health decisions in general, to make sure that you don't get any sicker or that you avoid being sick. But we also take well-being decisions and we also take several types of lifestyle decisions. And all those four decisions, you know, the lifestyle, the well-being, the health and the medical decisions, those are all four, ty- four types of decisions that we take related to our health. And maybe some of them are, don't have as much of an impact on our own personal health, um, but they have something to do with our health. And I think that is the first thing that we need to realize is that not everything related to health is medical or needs to be health care. And that's why you see different types of um, industries entering this field. I mean, you, you could, you, I mean, the selling of more sports apparel has to do with the fact that people want to look healthy, right? They don't want to look old in a way. But also the success of wellness has to do with the fact that just people are occupied with their health and happiness. So it doesn't always have to do with, with healthcare. So if you talk about a toolkit, the first thing that I always try to explain to any type of company, whether it is an, a medical company, a healthcare in a healthcare setting, or a lifestyle company, an indulgence brand, for example, the only, the first thing that I try to explain to them is that people take different types of decisions, and they all have a certain impact on one's health, and that is the first mindset that you need to have. And this is the type of toolkit which I call then, you know, the health enthusiasm model, because the health enthusiasm model explains why and how actually people are more than ever occupied with their health. So they take different types of decisions. And it's, it's important to like realize where you are on that model. 
And just to be a little bit more elaborate on that is that the, the basic premise is that we used to think that consumers take lifestyle decisions and that patients only take medical decisions or are involved in medical decisions. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we as human beings, we're sometimes we are a consumer, sometimes we are a patient, sometimes you are a driver, a guest, a visitor, a student, an employee, whatever it may be. But the thing is, in any of those situations, because, because I call being a patient, I call that being somebody in a situation as a patient. The fact of the matter is, is that regardless of those situations, we always take one of those four decisions or multiple of those four, four decisions. And this, so that is the first mindset that any type of company, certainly also healthcare institutions need to have is that people don't just take healthcare or medical decisions. They take a lot more decisions that relate back to their health. And it's important to start thinking from, from that mindset first before you start doing anything else, really to understand what is out there, what people do. I mean, you can have rheumatoid arthritis, for example, and people don't just take a medication. They do a lot more to actually deal with that disease, right? So that is the first thing that any type of company needs to realize if we're talking about models, in my opinion. Yeah. So what are some of the other parts of, because that's definitely a foundation of health design thinking in my mind. What are some other parts of health design thinking? Well, the, the typical health design thinking, it's, it's a mindset where you start from, you know, what does people want? What does people need? And then you quickly start to iterate to come to a prototype that you can test, right? It's a mindset as a starter. What I like to work with is with the design sprints, which I then call health enthusiasm uh, design sprints, where actually within about four days time, you can come to that one particular solution, that MVP that solves a very particular need. And I do these kinds of exercises. It usually takes about four days. Me personally, what I try to do is I, like the first part is, is about empathizing with, with customers, trying to understand what their really their, their needs are. I try to go one step further or maybe even two steps further because I think that empathizing part, you know, the human centric part of it is basically the, the basis of everything. And I don't only look at the needs, but I also look at the expectations and the life aspirations um, of people because mainly what I've seen in the past 20 years working in, in healthcare is that I have seen so many projects, experiences fail because they only try to resolve a need. They say, look, this will be, you know, perfect solution for that need. And yet nobody is using it. Why is that? It was because they were only looking at the, um, the needs and not at the expectations or not at the allied aspirations. So I really, you know, focus on those three uh, aspects of it. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. 
Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you travel down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. I really like that last aspect you're talking about, about not just considering the needs, you know, where you're also looking at the expectations, because I would agree. I, it's almost like a graveyard of failed organizations and apps and other solutions that just, they're just lying along the side of the road because they did not consider. They probably did drill down into the need really well, but they also didn't consider first and foremost, how those needs change. That's part of, you know, what the expectation is. I mean, take the last 18 months of our lives, my goodness, like how much did things change month to month? And then you even think about the part about where it's different what we actually do compared to what we say we will do, especially when it comes to our health. There are a lot of psychological factors in my mind that, that just we don't consider that at the end of the day, there's very few people. I don't know if there's anyone really who enjoys being in the healthcare system, like you said, in a medical setting, being treated. And why would we, right? If especially we want to be healthy. Exactly. And I think one of the key elements and the key reasons for that is that we only looked at the needs. Uh, we need a clean environment, so we will make a clean environment. The thing is that people, um, they have expectations. And those expectations, they are made by their experiences with companies like Amazon or, or what they can buy online or the, the experience that they have in certain shops or, or even in a, you know, an airport, et, et cetera. And what we really underestimate in healthcare is how those experiences drive expectations also in the healthcare setting. And so if you don't meet those expectations, you might be solving a need in the best possible way, as you, perhaps you, that, that's what you imagine. But if you don't meet certain expectations, it'll never be successful. That's why I'm always focused on what do people expect and look really beyond your own industry, look beyond the healthcare setting of what is their reality. I often give that comparison with banks. I mean, we still use a lot of debit and credit cards in, in, in Belgium and, and in Europe in general, uh, probably in the US as well, I can imagine. And the thing is, you can buy something online and have it delivered to your door a couple of hours later, maybe you know, a day later, the latest can imagine. Well, if you lose your debit or your credit card, how, how many days does it take before you get a new one? And, and I mean, in Europe, it takes between three to six days, which is like from an expectation point of view, totally not what you expect. So the entire experience that you have and the satisfaction that you have with that, with that bank is actually very poor. It's very low. And that's exactly what I see in healthcare as well. Yes, the card is delivered, but it takes three, four, six, five, six days. And that is exactly what we need to be focusing on as a starter, not only on the needs, because I assume that within healthcare and in the whole medical system, we know about the needs, but we really need to understand what people expect, what their experiences are, are beyond um, healthcare. That's such an important part of this conversation, like you were saying, because it leads to the ultimate success of all these things that we are trying to build or create or design, it all does have to do with an overall life experience. Our, our health experience has to do with our, our life experience. And so you're right, we do compare them, whether we even intentionally do or not. Like those are the types of comments that, that we get every type of healthcare now. Any examples of, uh, the banking one was a great example. Anything there in particular, like when we're talking about a starting point or like some low hanging fruit. So, so say we're talking about 
you know, on the pharma side of things, most pharma companies that, you know, that I'm aware of uh, that I've had interactions with or have worked with, they have fewer ongoing touch points with a patient. And so you have to look beyond that. You have to look beyond the, the times to say, here's the points we're naturally going to engage with somebody because that's really hard to create an experience that way. And yet I know there are opportunities to do that. Yeah, I think there's there's plenty of examples in, in, in pharma, but I, I think they're they're learning pretty quickly now. But still, I think I think you have two groups in pharma. That's the way I experience it. And I'm sorry to put it that bluntly, and I know it's it's not that black and white, but typically speaking, if you're dealing with more the, the scientific side of pharma, the medical sides, they believe that anything that they create is very patient-centric because it solves a need of a patient. Now, what you see on the, on I wouldn't say the sales, but certainly the marketing side of, of, of things is that they start realizing that there's a lot going on in the world and that, that things are moving at a, you know, a neck-breaking pace and that they need to adapt, that they really need to understand what is important in the lives of people and why they should or should not use it. After all, I mean, let's face it, pharma has been trying with digital solutions, for example, since about 10 years. And it's only the recent one or two years that you see some digital solutions or, or even patient experiences that, I cre- that they are creating that are becoming hugely popular. All the rest have been failed. And I, I bet there have been tens of thousands of initiatives. I've even, I've even made quite some. And it all boils down to the fact that we still sort of believe that because people need it, they will use it. But that's totally not the case. I mean, recently I've seen, and I, I can't say exactly what pathology it was, but because of a, a client, but um. There was this um, this new medication in a certain field, in a certain therapeutic area, which was actually life-changing for a patient. It really solved the disease in a far better way than, than existing medication. And so they did all the due diligence. They talked to physicians and everybody said, yeah, this is going to be a superb drug. I mean, patients will be using this uh, a lot. When push comes to shove, I mean, after six months, almost each and every patient stopped using the medication. For a simple reason is that, first of all, it wasn't that easy to you know, administer, but and, and that was the expectation that they had, that it, at least that it, it didn't impact their life as much as they would have, would have hoped or compared to the, to the previous medication. But there's a third element that played a huge role, and that, that, gives me, that, that, that shifts me to the, to the third element I always talk about, is that it didn't fit their life aspirations. And why? Simply because that particular medication, that particular drug actually made people put on like 20 kilos, like 30 pounds, something. And so people didn't really feel like showing, I mean, like changing their their looks because one of the life aspirations of people is just looking good, right? Or at least, you know, not looking too ugly. But the thing was that with, with that medication, with a disease that actually was probably not known by their peers, by their friends, by their family, suddenly they they, they started noticing that, that somebody put on weight. And so everybody stopped using the medication because first of all, the administration was far too complex compared to the previous solution. But like second of all, it, it didn't fit their life aspirations because, because they were not looking good anymore. And so you can still see when pharma, although they started realizing that it's not only about the needs, it's also about the expectations, you still feel that, that, that there's, it's still a learning process. And certainly when you think about then the third aspect, which is what is important in people's life, what are their life aspirations, such as looking good, having energy, you know, being in the moment, those kind of things which are critical for our health and happiness. Yeah, this is something that that I that I actually educate a lot of pharma companies on today. There's still a long way to go. 
Well, it is, but you know, the fact that we're even having this conversation and you're having those conversations tells us that we are, we're heading in the right direction and we are like, there's only so much we can do at at once here. One of the other parts I found fascinating is that how I'm curious if you have the same types of conversations when you are working with a, a consumer facing company that wants to get into healthcare, because a lot of times they don't know that much about healthcare. We've seen a lot that try it. The numbers make sense. And so they, they go into the market and sometimes they have a hard time. And whether or not that's because of the complexities of the medical system, I don't know if that's you know always the reason why. I imagine there's still just a learning curve. Like consumer brands still have a lot to learn about healthcare. And I don't think it has as much to do with the medical system. Are you sharing the same types of things with them in terms of understanding life aspirations, understanding expectations? Is it kind of the same things that you're sharing with the consumer-facing company that wants to get into healthcare? Yeah, it's, it's exactly the same. I think consumer companies are pretty good at, at creating great customer experiences. And so one of the challenges that they're facing right now is that they, they can't really differentiate anymore from their competitors because everybody's offering the same type of customer experiences. And so they're looking into something new which I then call customer transformation. So you try to offer an experience that transforms your customer. And then you quickly end up in things like, you know, sustainability, health, diversity, the three big buckets that people can focus on. And then, yeah, typically I'm called in for anything related to, related to health. And then I try to explain to them that it's, it's, it's really about how can you actually transform your customer? How can you make sure that you offer that kind of a customer experiences that makes them feel better potentially even healthier or happier beyond just that moment, but something that contributes to their life, that you can actually be some sort of, you know, partner in, in their life, if you will. And so this is the type of exercise that I'm doing. And I and again, I, I then draw it back to the health enthusiasm model and saying like, look, you may be in lifestyle right now and you think about consumers and you want to go into the medical decisions, you know, which might be interesting for patients or future patients. Um, but there's a whole section in between which I call the self-care or wellness industry, where you can actually go in first. And one of the things, and they, they all really understand this, I mean, you need to start with you know, an MVP, something which is valuable in the market, that allows you to learn things, to gather some data, and to quickly build upon that ship and tweak, right? And so one of the first things is that I try to explain to them, it's good to have that vision, but you need to go in, into that step by step. And the first thing you should be doing is focusing on the well-being or first focusing on the health, um, no, the preventative health, and try to you know, remain close to your core DNA today. So don't jump too far ahead. Have that vision, pinpoint that vision. That's like your, you know, your pole star, your north star that you want to get to. But it's important to make that small baby steps and realize that actually when you when you when you want to create those customer transformations, there's a lot more you can do before actually going into the medical field. I mean, there's the well-being space, there's the health space, which is preventative health space. And it's important to get some first steps in there and, and build uh, along the way to, towards that uh, that medical field. That's my, my typical um, advice, mainly because it's really about what is your unique contribution to, to society or to a certain ecosystem, an ecosystem that might not be there yet, but which at some point you will be part of for sure. And I do the same thing, the opposite and the other way around. I mean, recently I had a question from um, a huge group of hospitals in Europe. They actually, I mean, they had the ambition to, um, to gather as much as possible data so that they can actually coach citizens on lifestyle and health behavior. 
And they wanted me to, you know, give an overview of all the technology out there and, and help them to craft that strategy. And instead of doing that, I actually I didn't do that. I came back with a, a presentation of one hour of all the types of companies who, tr who actually try to achieve the same thing. So gathering data, making sure that people know what they're eating, how much they're sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. So my main message there was, I mean, you don't need to go from medical immediately into lifestyle. The question is, what is your specific skill that you have, insights that you have, knowledge that you have, expertise that you have from which you can build. This is your DNA and gradually you can have your poster in the lifestyle section, but you need to think about how you can build there and start by, you know, wellness activities, start by preventative health, start with, you know, how can you help people with their well-being? And so it's a matter of, I mean, those industries are blurring, obviously, but it's a matter of, you know, staying close to who you are realizing that there will be a lot of ecosystems that will be born in the next, I would say, five to 10 years. And so it's important to understand what you can bring to a certain ecosystem at some point. And for that, you need to be really, really good at what you're doing. So start from your expertise, start from your DNA and gradually grow into that. I think that is the most important thing that, that you realize. And, and I come back to that health enthusiasm model again and to realize where people are and how you can actually make an impact on people uh, across the board. Oh, that's so great because it's so action oriented, what you're sharing. This isn't just the design part. It is then what do you do with it? And so I, I, I you know, as we start to wrap up here, I wonder what, if, if you had a chance to share, you know, to challenge listeners with one call to action, you like one step they could take in what, regardless of what type of organization they're in right now, would it be one of the things you've shared already or would it be something else? If there's one thing, it does back to needs, expectations and line of aspirations. And I know quite some companies, healthcare companies and consumer companies, they're pretty good at understanding or figuring out that it's about needs and it's about expectations. The thing is, when you do that, you're very much focused on the touch points, the touch points that you have with your clients, the touch points that you have with your patients. My challenge would be, Try to look beyond those touch points and look really at what is important in your customers, your patients' life, and try to understand how that relates back to their health and happiness. Because then you can actually not only build a great or an interesting customer experience, but you can actually make a customer experience that makes a difference to them in their life. So really look beyond your own touch points and try to understand what is important in their life. What are their life aspirations? And with that, you will create a customer experience, or as I like to call um, customer transformation or in the health setting and health experience that will actually really make a difference for people. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And Tyler, thanks so much for, for giving us a few minutes today and giving us so much to think about. It's been a pleasure, Christophe. Uh, how do our listeners find you if they haven't connected with you yet? What's the best way for them to reach out to you and, and connect? My website, which is ChristopheShoquet.com. But because my name is rather difficult, I, there's also Healthusiasm.com. So it's health and enthusiasm made into one word. It's health enthusiasm, where you can find all my um, information. There's a daily blog. There's all my services. There's uh, more information about the book and about me. So uh, feel free to get in contact with me. Fantastic. And listeners, you really do need to check out Christoph's blog. It's a lot of great content there uh, that he's putting out all the time. So it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. And uh, all the best to you and everything you're doing. And I can't wait to keep following you and, and see where things go from here. Thank you. Same to you guys. Love what you're doing. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices 
is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Thanks so much to Christoph and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, can you please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast? If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other 34 shows in the Shift.Health content network. In fact, go check out the latest podcast in the network called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 34 podcasts and video shows are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.